Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franzen here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their jobs. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The Emeth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you've spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Dr. Nicholas Holmes is Senior Vice President and COO at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. Dr. Holmes is dedicated to creating a high-quality and innovative healthcare delivery system for pediatric patients and their families. During a 15-year career in the Navy, he was the head urologist of the Navy, assisted in shaping urology healthcare policy, and served as the chairman of the Department of Urology at the Navy Medical Center. He was recently recognized as one of the top 50 black leaders of influence by the San Diego Business Journal. Dr. Holmes, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit more about Rady Children's Hospital. Kind of uh, maybe describe the atmosphere for me. And why would people go there? Yeah, so Rady Children's Hospital, we've been in existence for almost 70 years. Um, you know, we started as a community hospital out of the polio uh, p- pandemic that happened in the mid-50s. And so the community came together because to, they realized these children who had polio need to convalesce and they need to be in a separate kind of facility than adults. And so they raised money to create it, you know, fast forward. Now to 2022, we are, you know, a pediatric academic medical center that's ranked in all 10 specialties uh, by U.S. News and World Report. Um, And so we are a level one trauma center that dedicated to the care of uh, pediatric patients who may sustain some type of injuries throughout San Diego County. And we're not only just in San Diego County, we extend to Southern Riverside and out to Imperial County. So we're one of the largest children's hospitals uh, west of the Mississippi. So. What do you think has been some of the maybe a key or some of the keys to your success for where you've been recognized nationally? I think the, the, our greatest asset is our people. And so um, as a CEO, I have to remember that each and every day. And um, everything that I do is, is striving to make sure that our team members have all the right things to be able to uh, create an a excellent quality care environment for our patients. What is involved in your day-to-day role kind of as, as a chief operating officer? Um, I, I liken it to, or I tell my kids that, uh, you know, I make sure that the trains arrive at time and that the doors are open and that uh, things are, are moving smoothly. So um, a lot of my time is spent um, checking in with uh, uh, my 12 direct reports and run the various uh, uh, operations within the organization. So you know, have uh, overseen not only just the clinical operations, but some of the support operations like the pharmacy, radiology, security, 
uh, our environmental service staff. So a lot of my time spends, again, just checking in with our teams and making sure that they're, they're, they're doing okay. You know, reviewing data and, and kind of quality metrics to make sure that we're, we're heading in, in the right direction. And then, um, then probably a small proportion is really focused on kind of strategic initiatives or imperatives that we have going on uh, right now. So, you know, over the past uh, couple of years, obviously COVID has been a, a huge in the news and uh, especially with relation to hospitals. How has it affected Rady Children's Hospital? You know, you hear about adults going in and rooms being overcrowded. How would you say it's affected Rady Children's Hospital? So COVID for kids has been different for adults. So predominantly the vast majority of COVID cases in, in worldwide are, are adults. Um, and there's been fewer with uh, pediatrics, although this last surge with Omicron, there was a, a bigger number of pediatric patients. So one of the things is um, many of the children's hospitals in the country, especially, especially ours here in San Diego, we're the sole children's hospital here in San Diego. And so for for acute care. So if you're sick and a child, you're going to have to come here. So one of the biggest challenges was it was staffing. So it wasn't that we were getting over overfilled with COVID patients. It's just our staff, because they're out in the general community, were contracting COVID. And so, you know, for the past almost, you know, two and a half years, we've had to really be flexible, nimble, and resilient in terms of how we dealt with the changes in staffing and, and to respond to our patient needs. So can you give me an example of a way that um, you know you had to react in, in the moment to a, to a situation that involved COVID for one of your staff? Yeah, so you know there were bit, there were some days where we had um, you know twenty or thirty people would have to be taken off because of uh, either the COVID exposure in the community or they actually contracted COVID. So you know we would have a daily check in with all the operational leaders just to make sure where we're staffing. Is or was or where it's needed. So um, we even had some people that um, were, you know, licensed clinicians, but were doing more administrative stuff, and so we had to bring them back into um, providing more clinical care. And so many of our clinical leaders that primarily do administrative stuff were actually doing direct patient care. And so, um, and it goes to the really the um, spirit of this organization. So we we say, you know. Uh, mission first people always is so um and that's the great thing about this place is that people will walk through doors to get things done to make, make sure that kids are taken care of and so um you know staff volunteering stepping up to play taking additional shifts covering for people so really trying to be creative and how we made sure that we had the you know the appropriate staffing to meet the needs of our patients so what did you do to uh kind of kind of facilitate maybe a uh you know at the last minute type of thing, type of reorganization, say uh, one doctor or a care provider got COVID, wasn't able, wasn't going to be able to make it. How did you kind of like, uh, you know, reorganize in the, in the moment? So one of the things is that we, um, uh, we had a little bit head start than everyone else in the country. So when the COVID pandemic broke out, um, we were actually prior to, you know, the rest of the nation going on lockdown, um, when they evacuated the, uh, uh, expatriates from Wuhan in China, they actually here in San Diego, they went to the Marine Corps Air Station where they isolate them. So we already, even before um, COVID was going to happen, we had to prepare for that in the rest of the nation. So we were putting contingency plans just in case of, of people being sick and stuff. And so we had protocols and plans already in place. So it was really seamless for us. We actually just pulled them off the shelf and actually executed plans that we had laid out, you know, over a year and a half ago. 
So, but I think one of the key things is constant communication throughout that whole process and really communicating to our leadership team and to our staff about what we're going to do and, and what we're up against. And so that allowed everyone it kind of even the playing field. So people didn't feel like they were not in the know and they were being burdened by doing some additional work. And so, and we do that with our daily huddles that we have for our operational leaders at 835 every morning. We have a town hall every Thursday that relates to COVID and how it impacts our staff and impacts their family and out in the community. And so we still continue that to, to this day. So did you have like a daily testing or something like that for COVID? So we were one of the first institutions that really ramped up testing. So we had the ability to do over 2000 tests a day. And so that's just not only for patients, but for our staff. And so we had set up a system uh, where we actually were doing testing, drive up testing um, in one of our kind of circles, circular driveways here on, on campus. And so that we have it available for, for patients, for family and for, and for staff as well, and for their loved ones as well. So. Do you still follow the same process that you did, you know, maybe in June of 2020? Do you still follow that now or how, how has that changed uh, over, over the past couple of years? So again, the one thing about this whole thing is it's taught us to be flexible and resilient, nimble and quick because many times things that we had set at 7.30 in the morning, new news would come out by midday and we would completely change the plan. So um, the probably the, the kind of the foundational elements were there from June, 2020, but we've changed and evolved, uh, you know, uh, based upon what's actually going on. And so, and that really goes to um, the organization's ability to pivot uh, very quickly um, in the midst of the pandemic. So. In your career, you've had a pretty, pretty distinguished career so far in your career. Have you, have you uh, seen anything like this where you, as a leader, you had to, you know, be so flexible and nimble almost day to day. Um, you know, um, when I finished my residency and fellowship, um, I uh, was at San Francisco when I finished my fellowship, and then I moved back to Washington, D.C., and so it was, and I started work there on September 1st of uh, 2001, so little did I know that 10 days later, September 11th happened and would change, change the world, and so one of the things happened is that a lot of the staff left the hospital to be deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And there we had a skeleton crew that was left. So many of us were doing jobs that weren't just in our job description. And so uh, that really gave me that kind of that foundation that I learned early on in my career as a leader that I needed to be able to pivot quickly based upon what was in front of me. And so I think that's helped me and it, um, all throughout the entirety of my career that I don't get locked into just doing something because that's what the plan is. And that's what we decided and really being able to respond to the elements that are around you. So I have uh, I have one final question for you, but first, uh, how can people find out more information about Rady Children's Hospital if they don't know it already? Uh, so you can go to our website. So, um, you know, you can certainly Google Rady Children's Hospital San Diego. It's uh, or www.rchsd, Rady Children's Hospital San Diego.org. You can learn about all the wonderful things that um, that we have and do for the community at large. So, my my final question for you: Who, if with at the risk of putting you on the spot, who was a mentor for you or or mentors for you, and what's a best piece of advice that you can think of that you've heard from them? Uh, mentors, you know, I've been fortunate. I've had lots of mentors over my my uh, you know my uh, career in medicine and in my career as a as a leader. Um, 
but I will kind of amalgamate three people into one because again, all of them have been pivotal in my career. I think one of the, one of the key elements was a uh, key element that one of my mentors said to me is like, you know, if you put your mind to something and you know it's the right thing, then then do it no matter what. And so, um, and that's always been my guiding star, right? And, and whenever it's been a really difficult or a crucial, critical conversation, critical decision, right? So if you know it's the right thing, you should all, always do it. And so. Great. Sounds good. Hey, uh, Dr. Holmes, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's